Hello and welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, the podcast from the BSD, the British Society of Dowsers. I'm your host, Graham Gardner, and I invite you to join me on my travels as I journey into the fascinating world of dowsing. Along the way, we'll be bringing you a variety of dowsing-related topics. We'll be looking at interesting episodes in the history of dowsing. We'll be talking to practising dowsers from the UK and elsewhere about their methods. We'll be attending dowsing events and conferences and talking to people there about their experiences. And we'll be going on field trips to ancient sites and other areas of dowsing interest. We'll also try to answer your questions about dowsing, such as, can anyone dowse? How does it work? What do we need to get started? And what can I use it for? These podcasts arose from a six-part series of beginner's articles that I wrote for the BSD journal Dowsing Today. It's very difficult to learn dowsing just from reading about it, especially if you have to keep referring back to the written article. So I began to wonder if it would work better if you practiced as you were listening to a dowsing lesson on your MP3 player. So we're going to try it. We're going to be including some practical tuition sessions for beginners that you can listen to on your headphones while you're out and about. Although these are no substitute for attending a proper training course, hopefully they'll give you some ideas to help improve your dowsing technique. I travel around the country a lot and I meet many interesting people, so pick up your pendulum and your L rods and join me on my adventures in dowsing. As this is our very first podcast, we'll be looking into some definitions and theory of dowsing. Most people's idea of a dowser is a tweed-jacketed gentleman marching across a field clutching a forked twig looking for underground water, and many folk will still operate in this fashion, although nowadays they're more likely to use a plastic V-rod rather than the forked twig. But you can find uh, more than just water with dowsing, it can be used to find just about anything. Um, other underground features like gas mains, water pipes, septic tanks, electric cables, and even brakes and things. You can find archaeological features like walls and cavities. You can douse to find lost items, pets or people. And it can also help you improve your health by identifying food intolerances and allergies and can suggest which dietary supplements or homeopathic remedies might be useful. You can also douse earth energies and other energy fields like the human aura or the man-made electromagnetic fields from phone masks or power lines. There's really no limit except your own mind. Dowsing is a great way for accessing your your intuition, uh, and this is something that's in great demand these days as as people are trying to improve their decision-making skills. Dowsing is the perfect tool for the job. So how does dowsing work? Well, there's no scientifically accepted theory at present, but this is mainly because there's no general agreement in the scientific community that dowsing works at all. Even although many scientists have done research into it, and it's, it's still actually taught in Russia as a, as a discipline to uh, scientists like geologists, but there's still a small but vociferous bunch of dedicated sceptics who refuse to even admit the possibility that there's anything going on. There has been some pretty rigorous dowsing tests done over the years, but uh, the results tend to vary depending on who organised the tests and how they interpret the data. But anyone who's done any dowsing will tell you that there is definitely something going on. You can get results that are reproducible time and time again. So a goodly number of utility companies and other professional public bodies will use dowsing in some way, but uh, they're usually reluctant to mention the fact for, for fear of ridicule. So ultimately we are still waiting on a definitive scientific explanation. So we all have to develop our own model, our own map of the territory if you like. 
So when we're looking for underground water, the theory and a certain amount of evidence seems to show that there is some sort of influence given off by water flowing in geological faults and fissures in the rock that can be detected at the surface. And some research has been carried out over the years using devices such as scintillometers, which are a very sensitive type of Geiger counter, uh, magnetometers and electroscopes seem to verify this there is something that can be detected at the surface that appears to rise vertically from the water. Now, it used to be thought that the wood of the traditional forked twig dowsing rod somehow vibrated sympathetically to these emanations, but it seems very clear that it's actually the human organism that's detecting this, and the dowsing tool is responding to uh, minute muscle twitches in the hands that are triggered by your subconscious response. So either your uh, forked twig lowers or raises, your elrods cross, or your pendulum swings, and so on. Now, this radiation model, if you like, can't explain the divinatory side of dowsing, nor can it explain how it's possible to douse for things on a plan or map of the area without you being physically present on the site. To explain how this works, we have to accept that dowsing is, at least partly, a phenomenon of the mind. And what I'm saying by that is that, at some level, the subconscious mind can access information from the physical world that is normally unavailable to the conscious mind, and this information can be communicated to us through the movement of the dowsing tool. Now, the human brain processes something like, um, I don't know, 400 billion pieces of sensory information every second, but we're only consciously aware of about 2,000 of those. Our mind selectively edits the information to process what we perceive as reality. Psychologists will call this filtering process latent inhibition, and it's basically a survival trait that enables us to disregard stimuli that have had no impact on us in the past. So any signals that are not important to our survival from moment to moment are just not processed at a conscious level. This doesn't mean that they're discarded, of course, you know, everything is taken on board, but our conscious mind decides what we get to see. Our subconscious is still aware of what's going on around us, and at some deeper level may be able to access the collective unconscious and gain information about other places and events. And there have been many successful remote viewing experiments that seem to demonstrate that it is possible to gain information about distant places and events. Now, this is simultaneously a, a very old and a very new worldview. If you've done any reading at all on uh, quantum physics, you may be familiar with the phenomenon of quantum entanglement, which shows that two electrons that have been in contact with each other maintain some sort of connection and can transfer information between them, no matter how far apart they're moved. So, for example, if we take two paired electrons, then move one to the other side of the galaxy, it still reacts instantaneously to changes we make to the first electron. And tomorrow's quantum computers are being designed around this principle. But in consciousness terms, the implications of this are pretty staggering. You know, you can say that quite literally, everything is connected at some level. You can also uh, use another model of looking at the universe as a hologram. If you break a hologram, each small piece of it contains all the information needed to reconstruct the whole image, although it's not quite the same resolution. And this is not a bad analogy for how map dowsing works, because very often that will produce a picture that's not completely accurate. Usually everything you need to know is there, but it's not necessarily in exactly the same place or exactly the same scale. 
when you get there and does it on, on the site. And I've had this on uh, demonstrated to me on a, a number of occasions. Um, so those are a couple of models you, you can think about. But the central concept is that the dowsing tool is a, a means of accessing this normally hidden information in our subconscious mind. The dowsing tool, the, the pendulum, the L-rod, whatever it is you're using, acts as a bridge between our conscious and subconscious minds and it's a safe and convenient means for us to dialogue with the subconscious. Now this is something that's normally only available to people in deep meditative trance states. Um, and yet, unlike these trance states, brain scans of dowsers at work show that both halves of the brain are balanced and producing brain waves across all frequencies. Dowsers are fully conscious and yet they're engaged with the deeper levels of consciousness. And the correct state of mind for good dowsing is best described as engaged yet unattached. You have to be focused on what you're dowsing for, but you cannot have any desire to achieve a particular result, otherwise your conscious mind is influencing the dowsing. Now th this is actually quite hard to do. You have to uh, try and find ways of distracting your, your conscious mind so that you can hear what your intuition is trying to tell you. One of the easiest methods of distracting your conscious is to repeat the object of your search over and over again like a mantra. For example, I'm looking for man-made underground structures, man-made underground structures, man-made underground structures, and so on. Pretty soon your conscious mind will get fed up of this sort of thing and, and shut up, allowing your dowsing reaction to manifest clearly. And uh, this is the important thing, is, is to try and remain engaged with the object of your search and yet have no desire for any particular result, because otherwise you're influencing the outcome. You also have to ask clear and concise questions. It's all in the question. So, for example, it's no good just asking for underground water if you're looking for a place to uh, drill a borehole, because this could find you water in pipes or septic tanks, sewers, uh, as well as any natural water flows. A much better question to ask would be, I'm looking for potable water flowing all year round in underground streams. Or if you're looking for a lost pet, say, it's better to say, where is so-and-so's pet collie Fido at this moment in time? rather than simply, where's Fido? I was recently asked to douse for a missing dog and I got a strong response from a map douse of the area. Uh, I reported back to the client and they went off in the car in search of the dog, but by the time they got there, the dog had moved on and it was actually another two days before they found it again. However, they had later heard from a local bus driver who'd been driving through at the time I'd been dowsing that he had seen the dog at the time of my dowsing and it's where I said it was. So um, this is, highlights one of the main difficulties with dowsing for living objects, you know, they tend to move about. Now it's also important to realise that there's no inherent magic in, in the dowsing tool itself. So don't be fooled into buying an expensive rock crystal pendulum just because you've been told that it's stronger or better than your own homemade uh, bunch of keys and a bit of string. Of course you can buy the expensive crystal pendulum because it looks pretty and you like it, but that doesn't make it work any better. The dowsing reaction happens simply because the muscles in your hand are twitching in response to some signal from your subconscious and this small movement is being amplified by the tool. So all we have to do is learn how to control and interpret this reaction. Now this becomes easier and easier the more you do it and eventually it becomes so automatic that you often don't need to use a dowsing tool at all. At this stage you are what's called a deviceless dowser. Okay, time to get on with some practice. In this next section, we're going to try to introduce you to the use of the pendulum. 
Nearly everyone starts off by learning with a pendulum because it's a fundamental technique really that can be applied later to the other dowsing tools that you come across. And for this practice session I'm joined by one of my students, Pam, on a visit to a country park. So anyway, let's get the pendulums out and do some practice here. Okay. Okay. Now Pam and I are both using uh, BSD approved pendulums here. <laughs> I've got a little brass bullet one and Pam's is a nice nickel plated silver one. But it, honestly it doesn't matter what your pendulum is, you know, it can just be a, a nut on a string. I'm perfectly happy with that and if I haven't got anything else I'll still make do with that. Okay, let's assume that you're all ready to go. So, you hold the pendulum between your thumb and your forefinger, with the forefinger pointing down. And you want a reasonable length of string on it, about uh, three to four inches. So it gives you a, a moderately fast swing. And just have a little practice just swinging it around so you're happy with the length of swing. You know, if it's too long, then it's usually a bit too slow to respond. And if it's too short, you're not really sure if you're getting the right reaction or not. Okay, you happy with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, a lot of people, when they're learning, will hold the pendulum and then they'll ask a question of it and they'll wait for it to react as though there's something magic happening in the pendulum. I mean, this, as we've, I hope we've explained, is not the case. It's your muscles that are making it twitch. So it's your subconscious that you're talking to here. And I find it is much quicker if you have a backwards and forwards swing to start with and then the pendulum doesn't have to get up to speed, you know, it doesn't have that inertia to overcome. So it's much faster. And also don't rest your arm on anything like a table or especially your knee because you know, that makes things really wobbly. So just try and keep your arm relaxed and start your pendulum swinging back and forth. We're going to say this is our search position. I swing the pendulum backwards and forwards away from me and towards me. So got a good swing going now. So now we want to ask, show me my yes response. So you want the pendulum to show you what it's going to do when you get a yes answer to a question. So if I say, show me my yes response, mine starts to swing clockwise, which for me is my yes response. Might be different for you, uh, it doesn't matter really. The important thing is to that you stick with this response, so once you've got that, you know what it is. Okay, so, I'll try it. Show. Okay, so start swinging backwards and forwards, Pam. Okay. Alright, and then... I'm starting that myself, just to... Yeah, yeah, yeah just, just okay. give it a little swing to get it moving, yeah. Okay, oh my, say, okay. definitely moving. Yeah, right, now say, show me my yes my yes response. Show me my yes response. Yeah. Oh, there you go, it's getting a little bit clockwise from there. Yeah. When you first yeah. start doing this, it does take a while to get these, these uh, sort of programmed, because yeah. you're really programming your mind, just definitely. like a computer here. Mine yeah, definitely circular for yeah. me yeah. also. Yep, clockwise, circular. very good. Okay, so back to our search position, swinging okay. backwards and forwards. And now show me my no response. So now with me, I'm instantly going anti-clockwise to the left. Show me my no response. For me, it's like a search position, actually. But it's uh, a bit more side to side, yeah. Some people get left and right side to side for no. Okay. Uh, but this is what I get, left, very definitely left and right like that. Okay. Well, that's fine. So we're going to stick with that. So back to the search position. No, you just need to keep reinforcing this, and I'm not going to spend too much time here doing it, but you should sit uh, with your pendulum 
make yourself up a list of 20 questions you can ask either about yourself or somebody that you know but obviously try and make the question something you don't know if you're with a friend and you're both doing this then ask the questions about each other you know something like do they have a vcr or you know do they live in a flat or a house or a bungalow do they have a microwave these kind of things and then just douse your way through these questions uh, marking down yes or no and then you can check with your friend if you've got them right. And there are questions that you specifically have a yes or no response, there's no yeah. ambiguity. So there's no ambiguity as right. far as possible, yeah. So I could say, for instance, uh, is my name John? And I get a no. But then I can say, is my name Graham? And I get a yes. Yeah, so things like that. Yeah. Now there's other responses that you can get as well. For example, if mine goes side to side, it means for me that the question doesn't make sense. I can't answer that. Ah. You know, so in that case, you need to come at it and think about another question. I've noticed for me it just doesn't really move. It just right. kind of, well, yeah. you know, sort of just ever so slightly moves, but virtually just stays in the centre. Just It's yeah. not really yeah. respond. Well, if, really if mine keeps in the search position, then it's um, don't know. Right. Don't know the answer. Right. Yeah. You can also get ones where it's sort of a half-hearted circle, like I get a kind of oval to the right, which is yeah. maybe yes, but okay. or the other way, it's maybe no. And each time you do this, try and uh, ask another question to, to get it down. To narrow it down more specifically. Okay. Uh, the secret to good dowsing is just asking clear and concise questions. It's no good if you're out looking for water, just saying, "Show me underground water." you might get water flowing in a pipe or something like that. You know, you need to think of water in fissures and faults mm. underground, you know, natural free-flowing water. It helps sometimes if you make up a little phrase like, I'm looking for water in fissures in the rock underground, and just keep repeating this to yourself like a mantra all the time when you're out searching okay. for something. So, but for now, we're just establishing our yes and no code. Now, this will be the same when we move on to other tools like L-rods. Like for L-rods, a yes will be the, two, the rods cross, and no, the rods will go out. Mm. You have to check with each tool. But once you've got your reactions, you, know, you just stick with you them. You know what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, always stick with them. I did know somebody once who, every time she picked up a new pendulum, would ask what her yes and no was. And, you know, there's just no point in going down that road, because there will come a day when you've forgotten uh, what your responses are with this particular pendulum. Uh, so yeah. you can't really trust your dowsing. So mm. once you've got your yes and no, it's always going to be the same for you. Okay. So, okay, one more thing I want to talk about uh, just while we're on this, and um, that's the issue of ethics uh, and protection. Oh, yeah. When you're doing pendulum dowsing, like these divinatory type questions about somebody, you know, and try and keep them innocuous. You know, you don't want to be dowsing if so and so is having an affair with somebody else and yeah. that kind of thing. You know, okay. respect people's privacy and always try and be ethical. Always make sure you're dowsing with permission. So if you're dowsing about your friend, make sure you ask them, is it okay if I do this? Right, that would be yeah. easy to forget. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just polite, if nothing else. There's another good check we should do, which I'll teach you now. This is particularly important if you're outside doing any sort of stuff in, uh, like earth energy dowsing, or right. a stone circle, or in a church, say. It's good to just make sure that you're energetically protected then. You know, I will always do a little grounding exercise just to make sure it's okay. But it's also good just to go through a little pre-flight procedure, if you like, <laughs> yeah. of asking yourself questions. So, first of all, you sort of formulate in your mind what it is you're dowsing about. Like, uh, I want to douse this stone circle for energy lines, say. Your pendulum should start to give you a yes for that, if it's okay. Then there's three questions. You say, can I? Which means, you know, can I do this? Do I have the dowsing ability for this task? Mm -hmm. Then the second question is, may I? 
like, which is, do I have permission uh -huh. to do this? Uh, even if there's nobody there to ask permission, you can always do this because there's, the there's always a, a genius loci, a spirit uh -huh. of place. In fact, the last time I was at Wayland Smithy, I was asking these as I was walking up the path from the Ridgeway. Uh -huh. And just as I asked that question, a big fluffy bumblebee came up and looked me right in the eye <laughs> and then turned around and flew ahead of me down the path. So, so it was okay. I thought that was okay. <laughs> I took that as a yes. <laughs> That's quite nice. Right. So the third question you should ask is, should I? Right. Which is, is there anything else I'm not thinking about here? Mm -hmm. I've also got a no to that answer once when I wanted to douse a really uh, neglected and overgrown stone circle up in uh, Pelshire, actually, and couldn't think why, so I sort of crept up to the stone circle and just behind one of the stones there was this bird's nest of newly hatched chicks. Oh, so, right, so it would have been a bad time. Bad time for reasons. me to be tramping yeah. about in my boots. So, so that's your three questions. Can I, may I, should I? And if you get a no to any of those, then don't push it. Don't push it. Yeah, think about uh, leaving your dowsing to uh, another day. So we've asked our questions. We know what we're going to douse for. Uh. We have to think exactly of what the questions are that we're going to do. You'll see in books a lot of them have these sort of sectored pendulum charts with you know maybe about 25 sectors around the circle, uh, each with a different answer. And you're supposed to hold your pendulum over the centre, and the angle which it will go to will tell you what the answer is. Publishers like these because they, they fill up the page and look pretty, but um, they're not. I don't find them that practical, right. to be honest. Uh -huh. And if you're looking for a specific angle in your pendulum, it's, it's kind of a bit iffy, I think, trying right. to get that. I think it's much better to write down a list of questions before you start, try and think of all the, the avenues you might go down, and then just douse through them, each one with a pendulum, as a yes or no. Yeah, especially when you're a beginner, I think it's important that you get used to this yes and no procedure, because everything's got to be sort of binary, yes, no, black or white, you know, kind of thing. But it does keep it simple, so you're not lugging about books and yeah. tables and things. Like exactly. You can actually go exactly. out on the, yeah. the land. Right. The, the other hard bit when you're dowsing is not to expect an answer. Ah. You've, you know, you've got to have that sort of air of childish innocence about you, so uh -huh. that you're actually surprised when you get the answer. Um, this is also very hard to do. That takes a bit of practice. Uh, again, uh, repeating the question over and over like a mantra is a good way just to get your conscious brain to shut up and let your intuition come through. But it's basically that technique. You've just got to shut off your left brain, get it, get it bored so that it falls asleep, and just let your right brain uh, come through with the answer. So using the mantra technique is quite good. Or just trying to think back to, say, when you were a child and... You were, you know, looking at the presents under the Christmas tree and yeah. wondering what that big one was with your name on it. You know, I wonder what's inside there. You know, it's that sort of uh, sense of fun of, and play, air yeah. of expectation and play. Yeah, the childish innocence. Okay, I think we've sort of covered everything we need to for today. Anything else you want to ask? No, it's, it's just really good to actually come out and 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 practically do something and really useful to have kind of your guidance frame. So it's, it's yeah, brilliant. Good. Thank you. So in the next one, we'll look at other tools like L rods and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, well, Pam, thanks very much. Great, thanks. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Malvern, England. You don't have to be able to douse to be a BSD member, as we run a comprehensive series of courses that will take you from complete beginner through to advanced practitioner level. For more details about the Society's activities, please see our website at britishdowsers.org. You'll find other episodes of this podcast there, and we also have a lively dowsing forum open to everybody at britishdowsers.org forward slash forum. There's a special podcast section in there for all your questions relating to the show, or you can email us directly on podcast at britishdowsers.org. Let us know what you think. 
share your dowsing dilemmas with us, and tell us what you'd like to hear in future podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Adventures in Dowsing.